Welcome to People of Purpose, a podcast series of interviews with people doing meaningful work and living with heart. The series is hosted by Joanna Scott, and guests come from nearly every field you can imagine. People of Purpose sits under the website MakeDo Co. For more content, visit wearemakedo.com.au. Hannah Maloney is one half of Good Life Permaculture, a design, teaching and integrated example of the permaculture approach. Or in other words, they are nature working. Hannah runs her permaculture business with partner Anton Wickstrom. The pair have been living in Tassie since 2012 and have been busy applying their skills in permaculture and sustainability in their home and community ever since. Hannah, welcome to People of Purpose. Thanks, Joe. We've discussed this idea that while we as a world are facing some massive problems, there's also a really exciting opportunity for people who are looking at alternative living systems. Can you elaborate on this? Mm, I think, yeah, absolutely. So obviously there's some really big issues in our world at the moment and most of them are pretty scary. Um, we, also, we, we as permaculturists choose to see them as opportunities for uh, positive change which will benefit our planet but also us as humans and our community. And so we look at, we go, how can we relocalise? How can we work with different food systems? And how can we have different economic systems? Every kind of problem you can, you can imagine is a solution. Yeah. In terms of um, looking at, at solutions, that's, that's very effective. But there's also this feeling of positivity around the movement. Is that a conscious decision to, to make it more attractive to others? <laughs> yeah, and look, and also it's, life shouldn't be hard and arduous and sad and draining (laughs) it's about how can we create this positive change and sustain ourselves and uh, feed ourselves emotionally and you know practically as well but how can we create a movement which um, is inspiring uh, effective proactive as opposed to just being against things or Mm. we have to go great we're against things but what's the solution and and let's make those solutions um, fantastically effective and really, really enjoyable to do. Mm, yeah. So great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so during our permaculture course, you've talked us through some examples of things you have in your own home. And just through hearing those, your life and your environment sounds idyllic. <laughs> Can you walk us through your house and garden to describe it to someone who's never been there? Like if they walked in the front gate, what yeah, would they see? Sure. So our home is a young permaculture design in action. And so if you walk through our front gate, you would see our young uh, mixed fruit tree orchard with uh, a range of understory ranging from uh, nasturtiums, daffodils, comfrey, some clove artichokes. And we then have a big native, uh, low native uh, bee garden for to attract those beneficial bees and pollinators in general. Um, our house is hot pink, <laughs> <laughs> and it's an old timber house, and we had to paint it because um, it was quite old. Uh, but we, we choose to express ourselves in a really colourful, fun way because home is not meant to be an, um, something viewed as how much can you get for it. It's, mm. It should be viewed as, oh, this is our home, this is an expression of ourselves and it's a great opportunity to make it fun. And so um, you're coming in, you'll see our chicken house, which is also uh, incredibly vibrant and has a beautiful mural on it. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's good fun. Uh, we've got a big veggie garden behind our house, which um, includes seasonal annuals but also uh, edible forest garden which is built into one of our key banks um, we have a top bar beehives so there's bees flying around everywhere our chickens are, are, are cruising up 
um, one half of our property and then we have two um, female ducks who free range around um, and there's a variety called khaki campbell so they don't shred our vegetables um, and then we have uh, some uh, some areas yet to be developed because we're about to um, uh, get into them and, and advance them so there's exciting things about to happen about um, building sheds and little studio and things like that so it's still very much in development and you didn't start with a blank canvas you had mm. to work with some interesting landforms and an existing house and what are some of the challenges that you yeah. had in your site? Look our site's pretty unique it's a very steep block so we've had to terrace it and, it, and because of the steepness it's told us what can happen there so we haven't mm. been able to um, uh, just apply anything we've had to do what's appropriate for that context we also inherited quite a lot of weed trees and so and just rambling blackberries and cotoneasters and so we've, we've taken some things out um, to put in some more productive and native systems uh, so and yes there's a house there and it's an old house and so that house has had to we're slowly retrofit into insulate it put solar panels on um, rewire it all those practical things that has mm. to happen so it's a big it's a big job but it's also realistic and that it's a lot of um, uh, situations is what this is what people will face when they uh, inherit a house and it's great to show people that you can do permaculture anywhere mm. uh, we just have a quarter acre block and so um, you can it can do so much on that size and smaller and larger obviously yeah it's, it's almost more powerful to take a site with challenges and to show what's possible than mm. to be like oh this is a perfect Exactly, because <laughs> not, not many people can afford to buy the perfect block. and yeah. um, So we work with soils, which are pretty good, but not as amazing as they could be. Um, a very steep block with tricky access. We've got all these limitations, which is a real-life situation. So, yeah. yeah. And you've been, maybe not permaculture, but living and breathing environmental values mm. and sustainability for years. Mm. And the world has changed around you, mm. and it's... I talked with Nick the other day and he was saying how it's the biggest movement the world has ever seen. What changes have you seen in people around you? Yeah, I guess, so I've been involved in urban agriculture um, in particular my whole life. I grew up on a city farm and then from my whole adult life I've been involved in school and community gardens. And I guess in the past uh, five to maybe eight years I've really seen um, people, the, the world change and people starting to pay attention to these things that we've been working on for a long time and long before I was born as well. Uh, it's always been there. Mm. Um, but people, it's no longer a strange thing to do. It's no longer uh, unheard of. It's no longer weird or not normal. It's now highly relevant to most people, um, highly interesting to most people and very, very desirable as well. So mm. uh, the conversations I have with people have changed from trying to... Um, explain what the hell I do with my life <laughs> and justify it to answering questions about how uh, other people, how they too can live something similar. So mm. they're a really significant conversation shift uh, yeah, with general people everywhere. Yeah, because people are looking for these experts or, or people who have done it, not even... It's expertise, but it's also lived mm. experience, and, they, and people are looking for that so they can make changes in their own life. That's right, and I guess in in our country, so uh, we're only a couple of generations away from where people used to live like this much more commonly, yeah. um, and so but and now so people are very hungry for that knowledge, and and for people who are who are doing it or who have done it, and um, people like myself, and there's many people out there doing great things hands on, and have had some good years behind them to go to how how you too can do it in your own context, and so yeah, it's. It, and but you can if you do have lucky enough to have your grandparents alive yeah. most of them will have really similar skills that, yeah. that I've worked really hard to get mm. um, and so it's still within touching reaching points within some of our family systems absolutely yeah, yeah. 
Mm. And you've told me that community projects are something you're really passionate mm. about. What does that work entail for you and, and what are some of your favourite projects? Sure. Sure, so there are a lot. Lots, <laughs> yeah. So I'll have to... Yeah. So I love working with my community because uh, it's all very well to go and change my life in my fence line in my house. Um, but it's even more amazing if I can work with my community to help um, create a vibrant uh, uh, community to live in. And that's the more we work with others, the better is the mm. bottom, bottom line, I reckon. So, uh, for example, my current favourite community development project, social permaculture project, is the Hobart City Farm. It's been a, um, five people working together closely for quite a few years to get up and running. And it's running and it's like up and Amazing. exciting. <laughs> and, but I've had really been really fortunate to work with some community composting projects in Hobart and Melbourne, um, a range of community and school garden projects over the years. And, uh, just, and, and, and also just whenever you can bring arts into food mm. systems, I do a lot of you know, community garden stuff, but if you can get um, some arts in there, it's another way of getting people involved, especially yeah. younger people. Um, so I always look at how can you make your community project uh, as accessible as possible to a large range of people. Mm. Yeah, so lots of collaboration. Mm. Mm. Another part of your work is designing um, sites for people, so using mm. your permaculture background to help people make the most of their site. And I'm always interested in the practical details of people's businesses. And I think mm. in permaculture, this is difficult to separate out because you and Anton live permaculture. It's, it is your life and you really can't say, here's how we make money and here's how we do this and that. It mm. doesn't work like that. But I am interested um, in sharing sort of practical matters of how you, how you sustain your business. Mm. So what are the different avenues that you use to make money or yeah. to, to make a living yeah that's a great question so we have a, a few uh, income streams and we do that intentionally because we don't want to depend on just one and so uh, we have uh, designing for people's properties and we have a, a range of scales that people can choose from um, and then we have teaching so we teach lots of short and longer workshops for people in Tasmania um, we also do community development projects. We partner with non-government organisations uh, who secure funding and then um, partner with us to roll out projects around permaculture, food and, um, and having a good, meaningful life. And so mm. we've got to work with refugee communities and low socioeconomic communities around Tasmania um, and share these skills and make things uh, very cheap or free for people who wouldn't otherwise not be able to afford it mm. so they're the main three main things and um, our garden's quite young but seasonally we do sell some surplus to market and, and that's another eventually that, that would be a growing income stream over over years to come so yeah so it's important to diversify yeah, yeah. Mm. and yesterday in our course we talked about alternative solutions mm. to um, thinking about money and how the dollar doesn't always have to be in every transaction. Mm. Can you talk about some examples where communities have used different systems that really help them achieve mm. achieve the same outcome but in a creative and more locally yeah. positive way? Yeah, I guess a lot of my work over the years has been volunteer, and I and I I haven't even thought about it. It's not a second. Yeah. I just you just do it because you're passionate and it should happen. And there's some great examples, um, you know, the Hobart City Farm is an example, like we just, we invest all our energy knowing that there'll be a lot coming back and some of that's about social capital, it's not necessarily financial, we, we know that we'll get to work with some amazing people, we know that we're building really valuable skills as well, um, uh, and likewise with our local community garden, people just in our region have just volunteered to make it happen, 
they've gained skills and now there's a space that we can use as a, as a, um, a, a meeting place, an educational place, a celebration space, which mm. before was just a random bit of grass that dogs pooed on. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's yeah, like when you take away money and all that, that, that mindset of common money you know, mm. transactions and go, okay, how can we use our skills and resources to create spaces or um, different projects and things it, it really is much more of a rich um, transaction, if you like, and, yeah. and, and the outcomes are forever. Um, and, and often they, they're forever in the form of relationships, which mm. is really beautiful. Yeah. It is beautiful. Mm. And you now have, um, you, you described your family as two and a half people, so you have a, a baby, Frida. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine that bringing her into the community um, may have changed mm. how you view the world. What, yeah. What's in your mind now as you look to the future? Look, it's a really interesting thing for all new parents, I'm sure. So there's some practical things, like we're redesigning some of our property to allow for play space. And yeah. We now need a slippery dip and, you know, all these, all these little practical things. But then on, on, when you think about the world and the future, I think about... I have these thoughts, like, I've got to make sure she can learn real skills. How can I make sure she's... Um, uh, involved in a in a well-rounded community which mm. i feel will um give her a good good start to life and a good life in general and so yeah i think about redesigning our property but also redesigning our life to expose her to the, the right things which to other people's knowledge yeah, and skills yeah, yeah. i don't oh. i don't want to, I don't, that nuclear family is um a bit of a scary thought for me so mm. it's it's hard we, we live in a place with no family um but so we have to work harder to create those meaningful connections and um and give little Frida a, a good life a family yeah, yeah. yeah it's beautiful <laughs> mm. um so in our permaculture design course that we've I've been on the last two mm. weeks you've taught us so many things mm. um and it's difficult to separate them out like any ecosystem mm. but I do want to touch on the idea of peak soil mm. which is not so commonly known can you explain the importance yeah. of soil in our world sure so uh like it's it's a bit more of an invisible term, so um, it's about we have a, a very limited supply of inherently uh, fertile soil, and a lot of it's misused. So conventional agriculture uh, uses and abuses soil, so it's it's not replenished, it's not regenerated, um, and it's often lost from a system. Literally, it can wash away with uh, water or uh, wind, um, and so it's an issue that uh, soils are being depleted of nutrients, and so. Currently, a lot of people address that problem with more chemical chemical fertilizers rather than natural systems. And so, uh, pig soil is a is, is is a challenge that we would be facing everywhere. And Australia maybe more so because we have a very old uh, continent, so our soils are quite old. Um, and it's something that we need to educate growers of all scales about how to uh, regenerate and build soils as opposed to use and abuse them. Mm. Um, it's a very I think we'll be hearing it more and more. Mm. Like it's, it's as it becomes more and more depleted it will become very very pertinent in our agricultural discussions but also anybody who's growing on any scale can have that role in um, helping to build soil yeah mm. and it, from what you've told me soil is, is the start of everything yeah it's, it's the you know quality of produce and yeah it's the health, health in our body yeah and so you know if you have healthy soil you can then have healthy produce and you can then have healthy people it's a very clear connection very very clear so having nutrient dense food is dependent on having nutrient dense soils yeah yeah 
So my final question is, if there was one thing, and ideally there'd be many things, but if there was one thing that, that you would recommend to others to adopt the permaculture way of life as a starting point, mm. what would you recommend? Oh, look, there are many things. Um, but I'd have to come back to the three permaculture ethics because uh, there's many ways of living life and there's many right ways of living life. But if we can all come back down to um, living life ethically, then I think the way we live will um, be... Uh, kept in check by those ethics so people care earth care and fair share if we all did that regardless of whether we're working in office buildings or farmers out in the fields we would make different choices Mm. and we would relate to the world differently and we wouldn't have a lot of problems that we now have uh, around um, resource distribution economic situation those things would be they would iron themselves out because we ethically would be thinking ethically and Mm. that i think that would um you know, bring a lot of people back in line. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and as you've shown us, it's yeah. not just applied to gardening or farming. Mm. It's it's really, it's, it's everything. And, yeah. And there's so many possibilities for people. So mm. it's exciting. Yeah. You can be anywhere. You can be in a boardroom on a 13th story building and you can do permaculture. So yeah. it can be anything and any, anywhere, anytime. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for your time and for everything you've shared with me and the class this week and all the work that you continue to do in, in the world. So, so thank yeah, you. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this interview, you can find more at wearemakedo.com.au.